concluding chapter of the star chamber and historical romance volume two this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by dion gines salt lake city utah the star chamber and historical romance volume two by william harrison ainsworth concluding chapter retribution as will have been foreseen the judgment pronounced by prince charles upon mompesson and his partner was confirmed by the king and the lords of the council when the two offenders were brought before them in the star chamber they were both degraded from the honour of knighthood and mitchell besides being so heavily fined that all his ill-gotten wealth was wrested from him had to endure riding through the streets in a posture the reverse of the ordinary mode of equitation name with his face towards the horse's tail two quart pots tied round his neck to show that he was punished for his exactions upon alehouse keepers and hostel keepers and a placard upon his breast detailing the nature of his offences in this way hooted and pelted by the rabble who pursued him as he was led along and who would have inflicted serious injuries upon him and perhaps dispatched him outright had it not been for the escort by whom he was protected he was taken in turn to all such taverns and houses of entertainment as had suffered most from his scandalous system of oppression in the course of his progress he was brought to the three cranes in the vintry before which an immense concourse was assembled to witness the spectacle though the exhibition made by the culprit seated as he was on a great ragged beast purposely selected for the occasion was sufficiently ludicrous and grotesque to excite the merriment of most of the beholders who greeted his arrival with shouts of derisive laughter still his woe-begone countenance and miserable plight for he was covered with mud from head to foot moved the compassion of the good-natured madame bonaventure as she gazed at him from one of the upper windows of her hostel and the feeling was increased as the wretched old man threw a beseeching glance at her she could stand the sight no longer and rushed from the window in the same room with her there were four persons who had been partaking of a plentiful repast as was proved by the numerous dishes and flasks of wine garnishing the table at which they had been seated and they too as well as the hostess on hearing the noise outside the tavern had rushed to the windows to see what could cause so much disturbance as they were all well acquainted with the old usurer and his malpractices the spectacle had a special interest to them as well as to the hostess and they were variously affected by it the party we must state consisted of master richard taverner 
as the quondam apprentice was now styled and his pretty wife gillian who now looked prettier than usual in her wedding attire for the ceremony uniting them in indissoluble bonds had only just been performed old greenford the grandsher of the bride and master john wolfe of the bible and crown in paul's churchyard bookseller erstwhile dick's indulgent master and now his partner master taverner having very prudently invested the contents of the silver coffer in the purchase of a share in his employer's business with the laudable determination of bestirring himself zealously in it ever after and as another opportunity may not occur for mentioning the circumstance we will add that he kept to his resolution and ultimately rose to high offices in the city dick's appearance had already considerably improved his apparel was spruce and neat but not showy and well became him while his deportment even under the blissful circumstances in which he was placed had a sobriety and decorum about it really surprising and which argued well for his future good conduct he began as he meant to go on and it was plain that john wolfe's advice had produced a salutary effect upon him old greenford looked the picture of happiness with master richard's predilections for the three cranes we are well acquainted and it will not therefore appear unnatural that he should choose this his favourite tavern for his wedding dinner madame bonaventure was delighted with the bride and brought the blushes to her fair cheeks by the warmth of her praises of her beauty while she could not sufficiently congratulate the bridegroom on his good luck in obtaining such a treasure the best in the house was set before them both viands and wine and ample justice was done by all to the good cheer cyprian as usual brought in the dishes and filled the flagons with the rare bordeaux he had been directed by his mistress to introduce but madame bonaventure personally superintended the repast carving the meats selecting the most delicate bits for gillian's especial consumption and seasoning them yet more agreeably with her lively sallies the dinner had come to a close and they were just drinking the health of the bonny and blushing bride when the clamour on the quay proclaimed the old usurer's arrival as he was the furthest person from her thoughts and as she had not heard of the day appointed for his punishment madame bonaventure was totally unprepared for the spectacle offered to her when she reached the window and her retreat from it as we have related was almost immediate to his shame be it spoken master richard taverner was greatly entertained by the doleful appear of his old enemy and could not help exulting over his downfall and distress but he was quickly checked by his bride who shared in the hostess's gentler and more compassionate feelings so much indeed was the gentle gillian touched by the delinquent's supplicating looks that she yielded to the impulse that prompted 
her to afford him some solace and snatching up a flask of wine and a flagon from the table she rushed out of the room followed by her husband who vainly endeavoured to stay her in a moment gillian was out upon the quay and the mounted guard stationed round the prisoner divining her purpose kindly drew aside to let her pass filling the goblet she handed it to the old man who eagerly drained it and breathed a blessing on her as he returned it some of the bystanders said the blessing would turn to a curse but it was not so and so well pleased was dick with what his good wife had done that he clasped her to his heart before all the crowd this incident was so far of service to the prisoner that it saved him from further indignity at the moment the mob ceased to jeer him or to hurl mud and missiles at him and listened in silence to the public crier as he read aloud his sentence this done the poor wretch and his escort moved away to the catherine wheel in the steel-yard where a less kindly reception awaited him in taking leave as we must now do of master richard taverner and his pretty wife it gives us pleasure to say that they were as happy in their wedded state as loving couples necessarily must be we may add that they lived long and were blessed with numerous issue so numerous indeed that as we have before intimated dick had to work hard all the rest of his days in bidding adieu also to madame bonaventure which we do with regret we have merely to state that she did not reign much longer over the destinies of the three cranes but resigned in favour of cyprian who as monsieur latour was long and favourably known as the jovial and liberal host of that renowned tavern various reasons were assigned for madame bonaventure's retirement but the truth was that having made money enough she began to find the banks of the thames too damp and foggy for her especially during the winter months so the next time the skipper entered the river having previously made her arrangements she embarked on board his vessel and returned to the sunny shores of the garonne Mompesson's sentence though far more severe and opprobrious than that of the elder extortioner was thought too lenient and most persons were of opinion that considering the enormity of his offences his life ought not to be spared but they judged unadvisedly death by the axe or even by the rope would have been infinitely preferred by the criminal himself to the lingering agonies he was destined to endure moreover there was retributive justice in the sentence that doomed him to undergo tortures similar to those he had so often inflicted on others the pillory was erected at charing cross a numerous escort was required to protect him from the fury of the mob who would otherwise have torn him in pieces but though shielded in some degree from their active vengeance he could not shut his ears to their yells and execrations infuriated thousands were collected in the open space around the pillory 
eager to glut their eyes upon the savage spectacle and the shout they set up on his appearance was so terrific that even the prisoner undaunted as he had hitherto shown himself was shaken by it and lost his firmness though he recovered it in some degree as he mounted the huge wooden machine conspicuous at a distance above the heads of the raging multitude on the boards on which he had to stand there was another person besides the tormentor and the sight of him evidently occasioned the criminal great disquietude this person was attired in black with a broad-leaved hat pulled down over his brows what doth this fellow here demanded mompesson you do not need an assistant i know not that replied the tormentor a big brawny fellow habited in a leathern jerkin with his arms bared to the shoulder taking up his hammer and selecting a couple of sharp pointed nails but in any case he has an order from the council of the star chamber to stand here and now prisoner he continued roughly and authoritatively place your head in this hole and your hands here since resistance would have been vain mompesson did as he was bidden a heavy beam descended over his neck and wrists and fastened him down immovably while amid the exulting shouts of the spectators his ears were nailed to the wood during one entire hour the ponderous machine slowly revolved so as to exhibit him to all the assemblage and at the end of that time the yet more barbarous part of the sentence for which the ferocious mob had been impatiently waiting was carried out the keen knife and the branding iron were called into play and in the bleeding and mutilated object before them now stamped with indelible infamy none could have recognized the once haughty and handsome sir giles mompesson a third person we have said stood upon the pillory he took no part in aiding the tormentor in his task but he watched all that was done with atrocious satisfaction not a groan not the quivering of a muscle escaped him he felt the edge of the knife to make sure it was sharp enough for the purpose and saw that the iron was sufficiently heated to burn the characters of shame deeply in when all was accomplished he seized mompesson's arm and in a voice that seemed scarcely human cried now i have paid thee back in part for the injuries thou hast done me thou wilt never mock me more in part groaned mompesson is not thy vengeance fully satiated what more wouldst thou have what more echoed the other with the laugh of a demon for every day of anguish thou gavest my brother in his dungeon in the fleet i would have a month a year i would not have thee perish too soon and therefore thou shalt be better cared for than he was but thou shalt never escape never and at the last i will be by thy side it would almost seem as if that moment were come for as the words were uttered mompesson fainted from loss of blood and intensity of pain and in this state he was placed upon a hurdle 
tied to a horse's heels and conveyed back to the fleet as threatened he was doomed to long and solitary imprisonment and the only person beside the jailer admitted to his cell was his unrelenting foe a steel mirror was hung up in his dungeon so that he might see to what extent his features had been disfigured in this way three years rolled by years of uninterrupted happiness to sir jocelyn and lady mounchensey as well as to master richard tavener and his dame but of increasing gloom to the captive in his solitary cell in the fleet of late he had become so fierce and unmanageable that he had to be chained to the wall he sprang at his jailer and tried to strangle him and gnashed his teeth and shook his fists in impotent rage at osmond mounchensey but again his mood changed and he would supplicate for mercy crawling on the floor and trying to kiss the feet of his enemy who spurned him from him then he fell sick and refused his food and as the sole means of preserving his life he was removed to an airier chamber but as it speedily appeared this was only a device to enable him to escape from prison and it proved successful he was thought to be so ill that the jailer fancying him incapable of moving became negligent and when osmond mounchensey next appeared the prisoner had flown how he had effected his escape no one could at first explain but it appeared on inquiry that he had been assisted by two of his old myrmidons captain blutter and staring hugh both of whom were prisoners at the time in the fleet osmond's rage knew no bounds he vowed never to rest till he had traced out the fugitive and brought him back but he experienced more difficulty in the quest than he anticipated no one was better acquainted with the obscure quarters and hiding-places of london than he but in none of these retreats could he discover the object of his search the potentates of whitefriars and the mint would not have dared to harbour such an offender as mompesson and would have given him up at once if he had sought refuge in their territories but osmond satisfied himself by a perquisition of every house in those sanctuaries that he was not there nor had any one been seen like him the asylum for masterless men near smart's quay and all the other dens for thieves and criminals hiding from justice in and about the metropolis were searched but with the like ill result hitherto mompesson had contrived entirely to baffle the vigilance of his foe at last osmond applied to luke hatton thinking it possible his cunning might suggest some plan for the capture of the fugitive after listening with the greatest attention to all related to him the apothecary pondered for a while and then said it is plain he has trusted no one with his retreat but i think i can find him come to me on the third night from this and you shall hear further meantime you need not relax your own search though if it be as i suspect 
failure is sure to attend you obliged to be satisfied with this promise osmond departed on the third night at a late hour he returned he did not however find luke hatton the apothecary it appeared had been absent from home during the last three days and the old woman who attended upon him was full of uneasiness on his account her master she said had left a letter on his table and on investigation it proved to be for osmond in it the writer directed him in the event of his non-return before the time appointed to repair without delay well armed to the vaults beneath mompesson's old habitation near the fleet and to make a strict search for him throughout them he also acquainted him with a secret entrance into the house contrived in the walls beneath the lofty northeastern turret on reading this letter osmond at once understood his ally's plan together with its danger and felt that as he had not returned he had in all probability fallen a victim to his rashness telling the old woman whither he was going and that inquiries might be made there for him on the morrow if he did not reappear with her master he set out at once for the place indicated we shall however precede him ever since mompesson had been taken to the fleet his habitation had been deserted the place was cursed so much odium attached to it so many fearful tales were told of it that no one would dwell there at the time of its owner's committal it was stripped of all its contents and nothing was left but bare walls and uncovered floors even these from neglect and desertion had become dilapidated and a drearier and more desolate place could not be imagined strict search had been made by the officers of the star chamber for concealed treasure but little was found the bulk having been carried off as before related by the myrmidons nevertheless it was supposed there were other secret hordes if a clue to them could only be found mompesson had been interrogated on the subject but he only made answers calculated to excite the cupidity of his hearers without satisfying them and they fancied he was deceiving them on the night in question to all outward appearance the house was sombre and deserted as usual and the city watch who passed it at midnight and paused before its rusty gates and its nailed-up door fancied all was secure the moon was at the full shining brightly on the sombre stone walls of the mansion on its windows and on the lofty corner turret whence mompesson used so often to reconnoitre the captives in the opposite prison and as certain of the guard looked up at the turret they laughed at its present emptiness yet they little dreamed who was there at the time regarding them from the narrow loophole after the pause of a few minutes they moved on and the gleam of their halberts was presently seen as they crossed fleet bridge 
and march towards ludgate about two hours afterwards the watch reappeared and while again passing the house the attention of their leader was attracted by an unusual appearance in the masonry near the north-east angle above which the tall turret was situated on closer examination the irregularity in the walls was found to be produced by a small secret door which was left partially open as if it had been recently used the suspicions of the party being aroused by this singular circumstance none of them having been aware of the existence of such a door they at once entered the house resolved to make strict search throughout it in the first instance they scaled the turret with which the secret outlet communicated by a narrow winding staircase and then proceeding to the interior of the habitation pursued their investigations for some time without success indeed they were just about to depart when a sound resembling a deep groan seemed to arise from the cellars which they had not visited hearing this they immediately rushed down and made an extraordinary discovery to explain this however we must go back to the time when they first passed the house we then mentioned that there was a person in the turret watching their movements as they disappeared in the direction of ludgate this individual quitted his post of observation and descending the spiral staircase threaded a long passage in the darkness like one familiar with the place until he arrived at a particular chamber which he entered and without pausing proceeded to a little cabinet beyond it the moonlight streaming through a grated window showed that this cabinet had been completely dismantled stones had been removed from the walls and several of the boards composing the floor had been torn up and never replaced the intruder did not pass beyond the door but after gazing for a few minutes at the scene of ruin uttered an ejaculation of rage and retired his steps might have been next heard descending the great stone staircase he paused not for a moment within the entrance hall but made his way along a side passage on the left and down another flight of steps till he reached a subterranean chamber here all would have been profound obscurity had it not been for a lamp set on the ground which imperfectly illumined the place as the man took up the lamp and trimmed it the light fell strongly upon his features and revealed all their hideousness no visage except that of osmond mountchensey could be more appalling than this person's and the mutilation was in both cases the same it is needless to say it was mompesson his habiliments were sordid and his beard and hair grizzled by suffering rather than age were wild and disordered but he was armed both with sword and dagger and his limbs looked muscular and active as ever casting a glance towards the entrance of the vault as if to make quite sure 
he was not observed though he entertained little anxiety on that score mompesson stepped towards a particular part of the wall and touching a spring a secret door not to be detected within the masonry except on minute examination flew open and disclosed another and smaller vault here it was at once evident was concealed the treasure that had escaped the clutches of the myrmidons and the officers of the star-chamber there was a large open chest at the further end full of corpulent money-bags any one of which would have gladdened the heart of a miser on this chest mompesson's gaze was so greedily fixed that he did not notice the body of a man lying directly in his path and well-nigh stumbled over it uttering a bitter imprecation he held down the lamp and beheld the countenance of luke hatton now rigid in death but with the sardonic grin it had worn throughout life still impressed upon it there was a deep gash in the breast of the dead man and blood upon the floor a cursed spy and traitor cried mompesson as he took hold of the body by the heels and dragged it to one corner thou wilt never betray me more what brought thee here i know not unless it were to meet the death thou hast merited at my hands would a like chance might bring osmond mountchancy here and alone i would desire nothing more be thy wish gratified then cried a voice which mompesson could not mistake looking up he beheld his enemy in an instant his hand was upon his sword and the blade gleamed in the lamplight osmond had likewise plucked forth his rapier and held a poignard in his left hand for a few moments they gazed at each other with terrible looks their breasts animated with an intensity of hatred which only mortal foes met under such circumstances can feel so fiercely bloodthirsty were their looks that their disfigured features seemed to have lost all traces of humanity yield thee murtherous villain cried osmond at length i will drag thee to the hangman call in thy fellows and thou shalt see whether i will yield rejoined mompesson with a laugh of defiance i have none at my back rejoined osmond i will force thee to follow me alone thou art alone then roared mompesson that is all i desired and without a word more he commenced the attack during the brief colloquy just detailed he had noticed that his enemy was doubly armed and before beginning the conflict he drew his own dagger so that there was no greater advantage on one side than the other both were admirable swordsmen and in strength they were nearly matched but the combat was conducted with a ferocity that almost set skill at defiance after the exchange of a few desperate passes they closed and in the terrific struggle that ensued the lamp was extinguished the profound darkness prevented them from seeing the frightful wounds they inflicted on each other but both knew they were severely hurt 
though each hoped he was not so much injured as his adversary exhausted at length by loss of blood and ready to drop they released each other by mutual consent and after making a few more feeble and ineffectual thrusts leaned upon their swords for support wilt thou yield now villain demanded osmond in a hoarse voice or must i finish thee outright finish me echoed mompesson in tones equally hoarse strike another blow against me if thou canst but i well know thou art sped when i have recovered breath i will make short work with thee about it quickly then rejoined osmond i am ready for thee but thy boast was idle thou art bleeding to death twice has my poignard pierced thy breast thou wilt never use thy poignard again thy left arm is disabled rejoined mompesson besides my sword passed through thee almost to the hilt it glanced from my doublet i scarcely felt the scratch twas a scratch deep enough to let thy life-blood out but since thou hast more to be spilt have at thee again where art thou cried osmond staggering towards him here rejoined mompesson avoiding the thrust made at him and dealing one in return that stretched his adversary lifeless at his feet in the exultation of the moment he forgot his own desperate condition and with a fierce triumphant laugh set his foot upon the body of his prostrate foe but a mortal faintness seized him he essayed to quit the vault but it was too late his strength was utterly gone with an irrepressible groan he fell to the ground close beside his enemy there they lay the dying and the dead for more than an hour at the end of that time they were discovered by the watch mompesson yet breathed and as the torchlight fell upon the scene of horror he slightly raised his head and pointing to his slaughtered adversary with a ghastly smile expired the end end of concluding chapter end of the star chamber and historical romance volume two by william harrison ainsworth